anyway, it's good that you're here. I hope you can join us tonight um, at 6 o'clock. Uh, there's a tendency to think, oh, it's, you know, the cold and snowy. I, we just do this, you know, uh, once in a long time, you know, once a year like this. So we encourage you to be a part of things tonight and join us there. Well, the, the special song, again, thank you, ladies, for the special song. And the, and the song we just sang, uh, Purify My Heart, I Choose to Be Holy, that's something that uh, goes right into what we're talking about today. Uh, and so through our time today, we see the plea for personal holiness or personal purity. Um, this is something I mentioned last week that it was going to get personal. I said that last week, and here, this is why. It's, it's not just a, a, a spreading announcement for the church. It's for each and every one of us uh, to deal with. And a lot of times, um, you know, we uh, see it, especially in our young people. It's like uh, we can maybe talk to um, students and find out, you know, they, they're struggling with what, what does God want me to do? I don't know what his will for my life is. Uh, things like that. Many similar questions can plague the minds of our young people about the future. And um, let me just say this to get started. There's really nothing more important than two things here. The authority of God's word and your personal purity. Your Response to God's word, authority, and here's your personal purity. And yet, as you can well imagine, I don't have any uh, surveys here or, or uh, uh, articles about what's going on in our country. But you know, and I know, that as we look across the landscape of American churches, and knowing that we... We falter in this way, yet we've got now what seems to be just a wave after wave of young people buying into the frenzy of free sexual conduct. Um, we have young people that we see that are really more concerned for their physical presence, their physical appearance, they're uh, uh, in, in receiving culture's approval. And that's from children that grow up in churches that we say this is a part of the church. Young people still having that as their priority in life. And what about older folks? Most of us here are past that young student stage. <laughs> what about us? Where are we at when it comes to this issue of personal purity, personal holiness? Are we just kind of throwing up our hands and kind of uh, surrendered like, ah, I can't do it, can't get there? Been there, done that. Or is it uh, more of a calloused attitude that we have? You know, there's, there's one verse that we're going to look at this morning from our time in 1 Thessalonians. Now, there's all sorts of cross-references that we have to share with you and that I hope that you'll write them down at least and look them over. But this uh, particular 
verse that we're looking at is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to look at today at verse 3. But I want to read verse 1, 2, and 3 together here. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we bow right now before you, thanking you for your word, acknowledging that it is true and it is good for us. It points out our, our need it convicts us of our sin. Lord, we, we pray that you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, would do your good work here in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for this time. We commit this to you, Lord. Praying for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, where, where do you stand on this? Uh, you know, where are things at for you? Do we wake up? day in, day out, and more concerned about our, our personal uh, appearances, our personal hygiene, more than God's holiness. And you say, well, boy, that, that's kind of, you know, where are you coming from? Well, if you're saying that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, remember what I mentioned? The two most important things really ought to be about the authority of the Word of God in our lives and personal purity, personal holiness. And so Paul steps into this and leads us into this and says, this is the will of God. Okay? Now, we have to be careful because, like anything, this is something that uh, we, as we say we're Christians, we can take something and we can turn it in a way that fits our, our self-righteous ways. Uh, in other words, we, we have a problem with hypocrisy a lot of times, when it comes to things like this. We'd rather not get open and vulnerable about it because it's too close to home. It's too personal. And so we have to ask God, please, dear Lord, work in my heart to bring forth your, your uh, work, which is to transform our lives into the image more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, before you, in your bulletin, you have a, a, an outline to follow. And all we're doing is taking three points here and breaking the verse into those, into, here's three points. And so the first point we have is letter A, you know, or number one in the, in the verse. For this is the will of God. It's His plan. He's giving you His plan. Anytime we see that in Scripture, when there's a reference to the will of God or doing God's will, here's His plan. And for us, it's, it's for the believer's clarity of mind. When you, when you hear about uh, someone talking about the will of God, it's like, we, what have we made of that? A lot of times we make it to be a, you know, it's, it's a jungle out there regarding the will of God. There's a book that J.B. Phillips wrote called Your God is Too Small. And in it, he references that, you know, it's like we made God out to be the 
celestial Easter bunny. And he's hiding his gifts. And he's hiding his will somewhere. And you've got to go, you know, search for it. But see, God's given us his word. And in it, he, I'll say this probably a couple of times. He clearly reveals his will in his word. And you say, well, he didn't reveal, you know, in his word, what I'm supposed to do with my life job wise. Come on, where is it? No, we're not talking about that. He's revealed his will for you in his word. He's revealed it clearly. And we'll get to describing this, but there's a dual for each point in the outline here. There's a dual significance Now, regarding the will of God, the dual significance is, here's the decree of God. The decree of God, which is really about what he has set in place, what he has fixed and laid out and said, that's it. There it is. And a reference that you can mark down regarding that is Jeremiah 31, where it says, the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars by night who stirs up the sea, that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order that he just mentioned, if this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease to be a nation before me forever. See, that there, there's the decree of God. In other words, we say, are, is Israel God's people still? Yeah. That's right. You're right. Israel, now, are, have, they, have they wandered and drifted and sinned? Yes. Has God totally forsaken them? No. God's going to restore them, the, the remnant, okay? And he will do his work there. They're his people, okay? So, that's what we see there regarding the decree. And there's other examples, but that's one example of the decree of God. But secondly, it's regarding the dual significance and the desire of God. The desire of God. His desire. His plan for His children. And that's what we see here before us. It's interesting. Mark these references down. There's Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through 35. Um, Jesus is talking and, and someone comes and says, Hey, your family's outside. It's like, you know, he, he's saying, well, who's my family? Who are my brothers and sisters? And what does he say? Those who do the will of my father. That's what he's connecting there for the, the community of believers. Saying, this is my will. That you, you're doing the will of my father. And he, he totally, really just surpassed, he, here's who's outside. You know, isn't it supposed to be important? Your, your mother's outside. And he, he says to him, look, this is, this is my family, those who do uh, my will. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Let me uh, mention that to you. Luke, I'll just read it to you really quick here. Luke 6, 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? There's the will of God, isn't it? And do, why don't you do what I say? That, that's regarding the will of God. 
Okay? See, and we under, we've got to understand that God's will is not mere theory. It's not just theory. It's something to be acted upon. Um, Jesus prays it, you know, as, as that pattern of prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay? But we can make a mess of God's will by redefining it. Or not defining it at all and just, well, whatever, it's God's, it must be God's will. And we kind of give it up that way. You know, whatever happens, oh, it must be God's will. Well, that can be true, but we need to understand, here's again, what, what is Scripture telling us about the will of God? And it's not about one's opinions. See, that's what my problem can be and your problem is that our opinions get involved and somehow we equate that with, that's a stretch. But somehow we, we equate it, here's God's will. Or it's not, it's not about one's secret. You know, we, we figured out the formula and we've got God's will. It's not culture's mold to conform to. That's not God's will. But yet that's what we are driven by a lot of times. We're molded by the culture that we live in. We are the ones who've clouded the understanding of what God's will is. And coming to understand his will helps us to form, here's the convictions that I have now for my living, for how I practice my, here's my life now. So, it's his plan, letter A. Letter B, it's also his provision. It's about his provision. This is the will of God. His provision, what is it? It's for the believer's stability so that you can have confident faith and confident hope. We're, we proclaim his message. That's what we're trying to do right now. That's what we try and do every week. That's what we try and do through our Bible studies, Sunday school classes. Here's what God's words tells us. And through that, here's his will. Do you understand that um, it's his will that you be saved? Now, some of you might connect this, and rightly so, to here's um, uh, what uh, Pastor John MacArthur has, has uh, helped us understand. That his will is that you be saved. That's his will. Second Peter 3, verse 9. He, he, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but to all come to repentance. That's his will. That you be saved, right? But also that you be a, a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Right? That you're... you're your life is now not just, well, I'm saved, but now here's, here's a, the idea of a living sacrifice. Also, his will is, in Ephesians 5, that you be filled with the Spirit. That's his will. And then First Peter talks about that his will for your life is that you submit to him and to authorities that he's put in place. First Peter even talks about that his will for your life is that you suffer. And then... In 1 Thessalonians, we come back around to that really when it says, for this is the will of God, that in everything, give what? Thanks. In other words, pulling out this idea that you be satisfied with him, that you be satisfied with what he allows in your life. And in everything, it says, give thanks. That's his will. That's what he desires. And how often do I respond with thanks in everything? How often do you respond with thanks? I'm sorry, with thanks in everything. Do we, do we respond that way? And all along, here's Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. 
he says that you may be what filled with the knowledge of his will. It, what is it? You know, do you see that? It's, it's not like they're trying to, you know, uh, it's not like it's some secret. He's praying about it. It's stated over and over again about here's the will of God for your life. So young person may be sitting here this morning thinking, well, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, guess what? If you are saved, you're, that means you're his, his child, right? And if you're uh, a living sacrifice, that means you're yielded to him and submitting to him, right? And you're asking the spirit of God to fill your life. You know what it, it, it amounts to is go and do what you want to do. Why? Because it's not going to violate something in scripture. Why? Because you're saying, I, I want, I'm saved, I'm his child, and I'm, I'm growing as you know, a living sacrifice. I'm submitted to his will. I, I want his best. In essence, it's, it's like, it's not a mystery. Then go in the pathway of the Lord and seek out that job or that, you know, here's, here's that career that you want. There you go. So, it, it, it sounds easy. <laughs> you know, sometimes it gets a little complicated because of the way life goes for us. But nonetheless, here are the categories. These categories help you walk in this way. And it's God's provision for you. And you know what else? When you say, I'm in God's will. You know what else is, is there? Is another little sub point that I didn't put in the outline. Letter C would be his protection. His protection. Right? His protection. It's like you're walking in the crosswalk of life. You know, you cross a busy street and you're supposed to walk in the crosswalk. I find that an interesting title. You spiritualize that. <laughs> you know, the crosswalk. And you, you are protected in that zone, aren't you? Now, things will, st- listen, things could still happen. Someone could not be paying attention and drive right through. That's happened, right? But the point is, you're in that safety zone. You're in the crosswalk. And that's what being in the will of God is about. You're where you should be. You're in the will of God. And sometimes we get, we get um, kind of caught up in the thinking that, oh, I don't know. Is this the will of God for my life? Well, go back to these examples Okay, follow it and look it up. Look up these verses. Check it out. You're in his will. And that's the blessed, blessed place to be. Is that something, you know, it's like, do we have to ask the question? Is that what you want in your life? Do you want that? Of course you want it. That's really, here's the desire of the child of God's heart. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, this is foreign language maybe to you. It's like, you know, and that's okay because we're really trying to put forth the Bible and say, here's what the Bible says. And we would call you, if you're not a believer, we would call you to submit to Christ as Lord and Savior in your life. Because there's sin that needs to be dealt with. You need to confess sin to him. It's yours, your responsibility. Confess that to God. Call out to him as Savior. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And now, here's what you're meant for. You're made right with God. Your creator. God, your creator. You're, you're, you're reconciled back to God. You put in a right relationship with Him through the righteous standing of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, that's the will of God. Okay? So, here, in this verse, we move on to seeing that it's not just about being saved. It's not just about being a living sacrifice. It's about being sanctified. Letter Number two, your sanctification. Now, it's being made holy. It's a process, right? There is a standing that you have. That's your, here's your position in Christ. That's, here's the dual significance. The believer's position and practice. That is the dual sacri- uh, significance to this issue of your sanctification. When I say it's, it's about your sanctification, I, I have to make possession of that. The, here's the, the will of God for Woody Swenson. Your sanctification. I possess that. You. If it's you, you, you have to take it personally. And really, letter A, under number two, I am his possession. I'm his possession. I initially thought, oh, you put project in there. I'm his project. He's working on me. Well, more importantly, I'm his possession. If you're a believer, you're his. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus' blood sacrifice. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And we do that through, here's this process of sanctification. We just sing it. I choose to be holy. I choose that. Why? Because that's my position. There is no other procedure in God's plan other than this issue of sanctification. And a part of that is, we'd say, is his discipline for children. Why? It's that he loves his children and therefore he will discipline them. He saved you to sanctify you. Meaning he saved you to set you apart from this world's culture, this world's press. And this is where the Christian life, this is where it starts with. He wants you to be holy. That's his will. Romans 6, verse 19. Just jot it down. Romans 6, verse 19. You were, past tense, you were slaves to sin. You used to be slaves to sin. Romans 6, 22. But now, as believers, now you have been, having been freed from sin, now you're enslaved to God. You're now a slave to God. That's the idea in, in, in being saved. You were a slave to sin. Now you're a slave to God. You derive from your benefit resulting in sanctification. Romans 6.22 So, specifically here is to be set apart to God from sin. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9. It really happened to the Thessalonican believers. It really happened. They had been saved to God. From sin. That's what chapter 1 verse 9 says. Gospel change took place in their lives. It's important that we, at this point in the message, that we understand the background a bit of the city of Thessalonica. 
culturally speaking, what, what it was like? Well, number one, it was a, a port city. Can you translate that and say it was a town for sailors? Yeah, a port city. Lots of travelers, lots of sailors. It was also a city of pagan worship where there was temples there, where there were prostitutes there at the temple to help you in your quote-unquote worship that you would draw near to the gods that way. I don't think America has gotten that low yet. It was also a city in a region that was known for its immorality. And in a little bit we'll dis, dis, uh define that and talk about immorality. But one of, their, one of the Greek orators, Demosthenes, he, he wrote of the, the practice of keeping prostitutes for pleasure. And we keep, he went on to say, we keep mistresses for day-to-day needs of the body. And that's not the body of Christ, that's the physical body. <laughs> and we keep wives for the beginning of children and for the faithful guardianship of our homes. Oh, by the way, there's wives. And it's very acceptable. And so, as long as the man supported the wife and the family, there was no shame involved in it. There's no shame in extramarital affairs. Along with that, you've got in the Bible, the city of Corinth that's, you know, got its load of problems involved with sexual immorality. Okay? It was rampant. And the same is happening here in America. And the same is happening here in Fallon. It's a flood of immorality that has spread everywhere over all the landscape. You talk to Pastor Brennan about the flood that he went to help in there in in southern Russia. It had affected everything. And even after the water subsided, it had affected everything. uh, Noreen and I just saw the movie The Impossible. Is it called The Impossible? The Impossible. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about a story of one family from the, the tsunami in Thailand back in 2004. Talk about a monstrous effect. Talk about a flood. And it was just, it was horrific to think about it. And, and it's so easy to equate that with, here's the, the flood of sexual immorality in our society. And it's spread everywhere. It's public and it's private. It's overt, it's loud, it's filthy. It's soft, it's enticing, and it's subtle. All mixed together. And it's something that we have to understand. This is why Paul brought about, here's the will of God, your sanctification. That's the will of God. Now he gets into specific. And really, verse 1 and 2 is kind of general in in the start of chapter 4. It's kind of general. And now, in verse 3, it gets specific. Where he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you. Here we go. 
that you abstain from, number three, that you abstain from sexual immorality. It's very clear. It's very straightforward. There weren't a lot of need for questions. What do you mean here? Really? Right? And under this letter A, under number three, letter A, I choose his path. I choose his path. Here it is. Here's the path. And now I need to, as a believer, as a child of God, as one that struggles with things in life like this, I choose this pathway. God's will calls you to be set apart. And since you are his possession, choose his way and abstain. Abstain. It means to hold yourself back from, to distant, distance yourself from it, right? That's what we're called. So the dual significance here under number three is to refrain yourself or to and to remove yourself. Refrain and remove. And it starts with the word of warning. And it's really... That word, abstain. And you know what this is, folks? We've been talking about it in our Sunday school class here. This is the word of grace to you. It's not a restriction necessarily. You need to think of it as, here's God's way. Now choose that. So abstain from all the sexual immorality going on. And now this word, abstain, you know, we we use it now for abstinence for our young people. Come on, you guys, young people, come on, abstain, abstinence, that kind of thing. You know, telling young people, wait for marriage, wait, wait, wait for marriage. But what happens is we don't go deeper into it. And therefore, a lot of the young people say, ah, why wait? The pull and the draw is too great. And I'm going to dive in here. Why wait? Now, next week, we'll try and get into more of the issues behind why wait. <laughs> but for now, we need to recognize here's this, this flood of what we're dealing with, this flood of immorality. Now, this word, abstain, brings up reminders of other verses where in the other verses it talks about flee, flee immorality, which then, as we know in our men's Bible study on Friday mornings, we've been talking about Joseph, Joseph who, who got tempted by Potiphar's wife. Okay? Yeah, not just once, but numerous times. Come on. Come on, Joseph. Let's get together. We make a great couple. And Joseph fled. He fled from the scene. And that's what we're called to do. So it's, it's the word of warning. But what's before us here, what's to flee from, what's to abstain from is under uh, the way of wickedness. That's where we're, that's where we're at. Here's this offer. But it, we need to call it what it is. It's the way of wickedness. It's not the way of more freedom. It's not, you know, what God's wanting at all to allow for us to do it or anyone, you know, that we have um, guardianship over or, you know, we're parenting. You know, 
We're called to stay away from it. But the way of wickedness is sexual immorality. Now, this is a general term. It's a general term for a number of things. Prostitution, fornication, adultery, pornography. Those terms come forth from the issue of sexual immorality. And it's, it's this way of wickedness that we have to understand. This is where the enemy, Satan, with humanity's assistance, has taken what God has created and turned it into a mess. It's been perverted, hasn't it? It's been cheapened. It's a cheap thing now. And yet, here's what God did. God created it. God brought it forth. God made it. God said to Adam, here, here you go. Here's your, your woman. And now it's being defined in all sorts of ways. People's lives are ruined. People's lives are destroyed because of the rampant mess from sexual immorality. People's lives have become addicted to pornography, of all sorts of pornography. People are then in bondage to it, and their lives are destroyed. And now listen, whether it's sexual intercourse with one or with many, what's happened is you have given a part of yourself to someone else. And they've taken it away. And within marriage, as God intended, it's to be a continual mutual sharing in intimacy. And so many lives are messed up because of just, here's the, here's the liberty. Hey, you do it. Just, just do it. Go. It doesn't matter. Have at it. We're a free society. We're in America. You can do what you want to do. Not only are people's lives destroyed by it, but it's, they're destroyed because they end up getting diseased by it. And then on top of it all, which is maybe this is even the greater problem than sexual immorality, but here's abortion. Well, you know, we had our fling... But, uh, you know, we just go get an abortion. You know, no big deal. Do you see the connection? It's like, where have we gone? We want our freedom. We want our liberty and do what we want to do and express ourselves. And as long as I love her or as long as I love him, doesn't matter, right? And, I, you know, all we get back to is this one issue. What did, how did the verse start? If you're a Christian, this is the will of God. <laughs> there it is. Do you think there's a problem? Duh. <laughs> Yet through it all, what stands? Through all of the mess through all of the destruction, through all of the flood, what stands? Jesus and His mercy. Jesus and His forgiveness. 
you know, this kind of a thing, I, I just figure that because most of, most of you in here, you're, it's like you're older. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm beyond this stuff. <laughs> we, we need to be brought under the, the light of this, the spotlight of this issue, all of us, each one of us. It might not be something that happens physically uh, and you're, you're involved physically, but certainly mentally, virtually, there can be involvement. And we've got we've to cry out for God's help. You need to, if, if you're struggling with this issue in one way or another, why do you continue going down that path? Why do you keep going there when you could call alongside another brother or sister to ask for help and accountability and prayer? There's all sorts of resources out there for the Christian where you can get help. The elders here want to be of help. We can be of help in... in uh, getting you involved in, in things that will help deliver, namely Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, there's more that we're going to cover in the next couple of weeks in this w- regard because there's more in this passage that we're going to have to uh, look at and face, confront, you know, have it confront us where we're at. You say you're a Christian? Then... Let us be people that don't put ourselves in situations where we might be tempted sexually. Young people that are not yet married, male and female. The pressure is great there. And the pressure is great right here at our school in town. And again, the the concern that you will hang around the right crowd. There might be friends that you have that, you know, get involved in it. You might have been involved in it, you know, through at school, after school, whatever, you know. The issue is, it, it's like people, we, we need to understand, it can happen anywhere, anytime. And we need to be concerned about this issue. What is God's will? Is that what I want? I'm being called to that. That's what my calling's about. We say things like, well, hey, hang in there. Maintain God's way. He knows what's best. He does. When, if you've already crossed the line, so to speak, if you've already done something, in this way, in this regard of sexual immorality. It's time that you deal with it. Don't wait. Don't act like it's just going to disappear. The way your mind works, it, it gets stimulated by more things in the future. So work at saying, I, I've got to come to talk to someone that, you know, young girls, there's, there's plenty of, godly women here in our congregation that you can confide in and talk to. Young men, there's plenty of older men that you can confide in and talk to. 
But please, don't let it go more and more. Unfortunately, you know, back in the day, I didn't have that. And I had plenty of opportunity. I think that's why when I came to salvation, to know that I was forgiven was beyond my comprehension. I, it's like, how could, how could I be forgiven? Because there's a great God who forgives sin. So let me say this. We acknowledge that if you're, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm a Christian, you acknowledge that you want God's will. Yes? Uh. <laughs> Amen. You want God's will. And we acknowledge that sin is strong, yes? Sin is strong. But Jesus is stronger. There is a way. And you can, you can get through it. The biggest monster of sexual immorality can be conquered in Jesus. It can be conquered. The chains can be broken. And you can be set free to live a sanctified, holy, set-apart life. That doesn't mean you're going to be a monk for the rest of your life or a nun for the rest of your life. That means that you're going to enjoy living for Jesus and learning of Him more and more and more. I want to have you think of this. It was referred to earlier. I think Monty mentioned it in, in welcoming everyone about being in the shadow of His presence. Here's... Here's the thing. You want to be godly in this? Then stand in his shadow. Stand in the shadow of Jesus. Don't get out in front of his shadow. Don't get off to the side of his shadow. Don't get off lagging behind from his shadow. Be in the shadow of Jesus. Why? You're in his will. In the shadow of Him, you're in His will. That's the idea. Here's the bounds. I, if I were to put a big uh, uh, hula hoop right here. See, that's what He's given me. Then, then step over and stay in the will of God. Stay in it. There's your, your provision. There's your protection. And the time will come when here's the gift that God brings. The gift of Marriage. Lock that in. Because in our society, it has not been locked in. It's free sex. Everywhere. And so what we need to do is remember, God has put a, a, a boundary there for a reason. For a good reason. Because the gift is a gift from God that you can enjoy. And it is wonderful. But it's done the right way. Stand in his shadow. We used to sing a song back in choir days in, at college. Joy is the center of his will. Joy is the center of his will. That was one of my favorites. God gave sex for his creatures to enjoy. Sex in itself is not sin. Sex outside marriage is sin. Sexual immorality, it's sin. 
confess it. Get it confessed. Name it. Name it to God. Say what it is to God. He knows. And listen, many of us, we've already, as I said before, we've already sinned in ways in the past. Whether it's by seeing pictures in magazines, spending time online, watching movies on table, cable TV or whatever, all sorts of mental sins committed by doing those things. And you will not find freedom until you start confessing it and, and abstaining from it. Refrain and remove. Or maybe it's physical. Actual physical involvement with someone else. Joseph it. Joseph it. Run. Get away. No more with that. Listen. Too many people have been hurt and destroyed in their lives because of it. And if you continue in it, if you're a young person now and you continue in this way, you will have memories in your life that you can't hardly shake. And they'll haunt you. you and you can still be forgiven in Christ, but there'll be memories that can still haunt you. So turn now. It's never too late to confess and forsake sin. You know that? It's never too late. Start your walk with God now. Start to draw near with Him now. Walk in His way. He is full of compassion, loving kindness and mercy. He will restore His children. He will free you. But it's not going to be easy. If you want to talk about it, know that's that's what we want to help with and there'll be a, a, a confidence in that and you know it's not going to be something that we uh, use in sermon illustrations at all but listen if you're having trouble don't sit on it like uh, if i just ignore this this will go away please don't believe that lie and remember it's his will. And it's his good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's stand together and close with this um, challenge uh, from Psalm 91. And we will uh, we'll p- we'll pick up in verse 4 and 5 next week. Look it over. Check it out. Now, would you just quiet your hearts? Remember I talked about being in in his shadow? Stand in the shadow of Jesus. Okay? Close your eyes and bow your heads. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time. And thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you may seek refuge. 
His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. What a great God you are. There's no one like you, O Lord. And we lift you up and honor you here today. And we thank you for your word of grace to us. Your word of warning that keeps us close to you. Lord, help us to abstain from this. Help us to abstain from sexual immorality. Help us to name it before you. And we give you thanks, Lord, for your amazing work at Calvary where your blood flowed forth and where sins are redeemed, where sinners are made whole, where there's healing. We thank you, Lord, for the work of forgiveness and pardon from Jesus. Lord, there's a battle going on in our world and we are under much uh, pressure from all that goes on. Help us to uh, remember that we've been set apart and help us, Lord, to walk in that way now, today and through this week. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you can make it tonight.